It is your Friday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for the final show of the week and actually what turns out to be the final regular show at least of 2023. There'll be one big show next week, but it's the best of 2023, the top 10 sports moments in Minnesota in 2023. We've recorded that already with Jeff Day. That'll go live, I think, Wednesday next week. Give that a chance to kind of get a little bit closer to the start of 24, but then I'm off next week um, and then back on the second Tuesday with Roycey talking all sorts of stuff. Can't wait to see what's happened in the next, you know, 10 days in between now and then Vikings will have played twice. We'll be into 2024. All sorts of stuff going on. So this is the last real show, last official like kind of daily show of 2023. And a good one at that. Um, we're going to talk ice fishing in a little while. Don't do that very often. But uh, Tony Kennedy, outdoors writer for the Star Tribune, will join me here in a little bit. Thought that was a good subject to tackle right now with our brown winter kind of a subject that probably will be relevant for a while here too so tony will join me to kind of talk about the impact of the warm december so far on you know the industry of ice fishing the people who want to get out there on our lakes things like that so stick around for that here in just a little bit get to a couple listener questions towards the end of the show that kind of point us towards 2024 and some of the kind of big questions coming up next year first though what did I miss? There's a lot of good games last night. We should talk about them. Um, kind of a blueprint kind of night. The Wild, the Wolves, and the Gophers men's basketball team all won on uh, on Thursday night. All of them kind of doing it in a fashion that you could see being the way forward. Now, the Wolves didn't need to rebrand themselves much from the rest of the start of this season um, they've been they've been going great. We'll get to them in a minute. They beat the Lakers, albeit the Lakers without LeBron. Uh, the Gopher men's basketball team got balanced scoring. We'll get into that in a little bit. The Wild is the one that was most interesting to me because they they won four three, another overtime win, another game where they gave up a late lead but still rallied to uh, to win in overtime. Kirill Kaprizov with the overtime winner for a second consecutive game. Now the blueprint here that I see is the four guys who dominated this game for the Wild. Matt Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, Marco Rossi, and Brock Faber. Those were your four goal scorers in this game. Those were your four kind of key players in this game. Kirill Kaprizov skated 29 minutes and 9 seconds in this game. Now, some of that is it's an overtime game. Some of that is that he skated... More than six minutes on the power play, had a little bit of special, uh, so shorthanded time too, so even strength was about 22 minutes of skating, but still, his even strength and his total time on ice, uh, six minutes more than any other forward for the Wild. Six minutes more than any other forward. Brock Faber was the same on defense, 33 minutes and 25 seconds of ice time. Now again, it was an overtime game that went very deep into overtime before Kaprizov scored, um, and Faber had 11 and a half minutes of special teams time. You know, six minutes on the power play, <clears throat> a little over five minutes of special uh, of shorthanded play. So a lot of that time was not, you know, the up and down of five on five play. But still, 33 minutes for Faber, 29 minutes for Kaprizov. Faber played almost seven minutes more than any other defenseman. Jake Middleton had almost 27 minutes. He played almost 14 minutes more than the next highest defenseman, Zach Bogosian. So. 
you look at it and you say, okay, well, that's not necessarily sustainable. Part of that, of course, is injuries to the Wild. Um, no, no Matt Zuccarello, no Ryan Hartman for the Wild in, in their uh, forward lineup. So Kaprizov takes extra shifts there. He had 28 shifts. That's a lot of shifts for Kirill Kaprizov. Um, Faber plays 29 shifts. That's, you know, a bunch for him, too, with without uh, without Jonas Brodin and without Jared Spurgeon. The Wilds still find a way to win. And, you know, the prototype isn't play these guys into the ground. The prototype is expect a lot out of these guys because they are capable of it. They are all young. They are the future. Kaprizov had a goal and two assists. He was a plus three. He was all over the ice, um, just just all over the place, you know, playing a ton. Um, just he had, you know, just a, a monster game and when they needed it most. Faber, of course, like I said, had a monster game, a goal and an assist in those 33 minutes. He was a plus one on the game. Boldy had a goal. Again, he's been going good lately, just watching him skate up and down the ice. And again, Rossi, a goal, two assists, a fight. Did not expect to see Marco Rossi in a fight in this game, uh, but he stuck up for Kaprizov during a scuffle in, I believe it was the second period. But these four guys are the core, right? These are especially the young, the young three. Like Kaprizov's been around for a little while now. He's not super young anymore, but Boldy, Rossi, and Faber. These three guys, they're a continued ascent into not just like dependable players, but, you know, upper echelon players, guys who are guys who you can count on night in and night out to 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 bring the offense, bring the defense. That is going to be a big part of the Wilds' future going forward. So seeing that all come together in this game against Montreal in a 4-3 win. That's what made it a prototype win for me to watch in this game. Now, the Wolves kind of had the same thing going in my estimation. If you could kind of script like an average night or what you want it to look like for the Wolves, especially from their starting five, it was kind of this 118-111 win over the Lakers. You had Anthony Edwards taking the most shots, being relatively efficient, 9 of 19 from the field, so he was almost 50%, 7 of 8 from the line, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and a block. Like, that's just Ant all over the box score. Towns takes the second most shots. You know, 7 of 17, not great, but you're going to have a shooting night like that sometimes. Not bad. 21 points. He's a plus 12. He had 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, Rudy Gobert getting you know getting the next highest usage essentially six for eleven, fifteen points, thirteen rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. Again, that's kind of a typical Rudy Gobert game. Mike Conley Jr. and Jaden McDaniels having more efficient, lower usage nights. Conley six of nine from the field, four of six from three, sixteen points, eight assists. Jaden McDaniels fourteen points, three assists, just five of eight from the field but making big shots. Like, that is what you want from the starting lineup. All five of them had at least 14 points. Ant leading the way with 27. Towns being a key contributor with 21. Getting enough from the bench. Kyle Anderson had some good minutes. Naz Reed had some good minutes. Um, didn't play a ton of Troy Brown, but really didn't have to play, guys, an absurd number of minutes. Ant played 38. Gobert, 37. You might like to see that a little bit lower, but by the by and large, didn't have to play, guys, an absurd number of minutes. Not dipping too deep into the depth of Troy Brown Jr. only played six minutes in this game, so that was kind of interesting. But kind of an eight it's been kind of an eight guy rotation lately for the Wolves, but but leaning on leaning on the players that are gonna get you there. Leaning on those guys and having them deliver. That was what the Wolves did in this game. That was what the Wild did in their game as well. 
The Gophers, it was much the same. They leaned on their best players as well. Got all five starters in double figures in an 80-63 to win over Ball State. I mean, yeah, it's just Ball State. Ball State came in 8-3. and They are a team that had been winning at least. Gophers now 9-3 and on the season. Um, Cam Christie had 11 points. Mike Mitchell Jr., big game, 20 points on 4-5 of five shooting from a three-pointer. Um, Elijah Hawkins, 12 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. He's really starting to find his way. All three of those guys played 37 minutes in this game. Uh, Gophers also got double figures from uh, Farrell Payne and, and uh, Josh Ola Joseph. So all five of their starters, just like the Wolves, in double figures. This is the prototype. These are these are three prototype games. This is what they're going to need to win at the next level in all in all these cases. We're going to need to win for the rest of the season to sustain this. Now, again, like I said, you don't want these guys playing massive minutes all season, but you do want to know that your best players are going to be able to deliver when you need them the most. And I feel like all three of these teams got that in wins on Thursday night. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. It is good to have Star Tribune outdoors writer Tony Kennedy on with me today. Tony does a great job along with colleague Bob, Bob Timmons, Dennis Anderson, the whole outdoors team. People love the love the outdoors, of course, Tony, in this in this state, and it's a big part of what we do at the Star Tribune. You had an interesting story Thursday about ice fishing or or really the lack thereof right tony because it's uh, as as you might have noticed around the state it's uh, not been as uh, not been as cold this winter as we're accustomed to yeah totally um it's uh, everything is it, it's not a wipeout i mean people are still fishing uh but it has really altered the early season and uh not in a good way <laughs> no, exactly. We'll get into some of the reasons why. Maybe we can just kind of start with just, you know, there's a lot of ice fishing has kind of a, a, a maybe a unique appeal, but but certainly a, a relatively broad appeal. Obviously, you've got to you've kind of got to want it, especially because it's got to get cold enough to be out on the ice, and you're going to be out there for quite a while. Um, you know, why do why do you think so many Minnesotans in the first place cherish this this pastime of ice fishing? I, you know, it's, uh, it, when you, when you have the gear, uh, and you can make yourself comfortable out on the ice, um, which you can now in spades, uh, it is such a great thing to do. It's such a great thing to do in the winter to, um, make an exciting day, you know, to make, to have fun. And, and there are, the more you do it, the more you like it and the more gear you collect, it is kind of gear intensive, but, um, once you get it uh once you get all your your stuff going it is it can be a great time and it's a good family pastime too this time of year from your story um i glean that it's this is generally the you know when you have the kind of the early part of the season is generally the best for ice fishing why why is that and is that part of why this is so, you know people are getting so antsy not just to start but because this is generally the best of of what you get from the season yeah you, your hardcore ice anglers 
want to get out as soon as there's four inches of ice on any lake because the bite is always strongest then. I mean, part of that, and I'm not, you know, a scientist will check me on this, but what you hear uh, in the chatter is there's more oxygen in the lake. Uh, As the the, uh, winter builds and the ice thickness builds, there's less light down below. There's, there's less oxygen and there also can become more, more traffic when there's traffic on top of the ice um, that scares fish away. So, you know, when you got, when you got 15 to 20 inches ice and people are driving trucks out and uh, ice castles, then it changes things on the bottom. But yeah. Uh, And then also that, that oxygen thing um, is, uh, you know, the fish, especially walleyes get less active. Um, And as the winter goes on while the walleye bite fades for sure, panfish is a little different thing. You can catch panfish generally all winter. Where then right now is there enough ice? And it just kind of seems like it's kind of sporadic and it depends on where you are in the state. Different parts of the state have been a little bit warmer than usual. Some of them are still getting some ice and some of it just kind of depends on you're able to fish in some spots, but not able to you know kind of bring all of the heavy equipment out because the ice isn't big, isn't thick enough to support, you know, vehicles, but still maybe, maybe thick enough in some spots to support foot traffic out onto the ice. Exactly. And that's what's, that's, what's going on right now is basically, I mean, if you look at the sites, I haven't been out yet because of the, because of the warmth, but, um, from St. Cloud North to Grand Rapids, say it's, you can, you can find ice that you can walk out on and not, not strong enough to, to use your four by four or your snowmobile yet, uh, to bring out more equipment. But, um, and then from Grand Rapids, to the Canadian border, it gets a little better, but still you it's lake by lake and you can't trust the ice right now. You really got to like talk to your bait guy, talk to resort owners where you're going out to make sure, cause they generally mark the ice. They know what the thickness is. Um, and you gotta this year, especially follow those guidelines, but even in places, um, uh, you know, in the far North, you can't take a, um, uh, there's not nine inches of ice that you could drive a, a four wheeler or a snowmobile on yet. Other places there are, so it's it's really hit and miss. And that's unusual. I mean, I think the beginning of your story talked about you know someone who has been you know, was doing this for like thirty years, and this is a this is a very unusual start to the winter based on that kind of history, right? Right on, right on. Uh, that was uh, Kevin McCoy at uh, Max Twin Bay Resort on Malax, and he said in in twenty nine years of running his business. Only one time did he not have all his sleeper houses out on the ice with people paying to rent them and and fish between Christmas and New Year's. Because of that early bite we talked about, that's a really popular time. Um, And so people can still catch walleyes then and enjoy the week off, you know. Um, So, yeah, um, right on. How are the ice fisher? How how are how are the fisher people uh, dealing with all this? I mean, I, I imagine they're kind of getting antsy to get out, but you can't, like you said, I mean, you got to take safety into the the primary account here. You can't be you know, going out and doing risky things. So how are they? How are people adapting so far this year? Yeah, it's you know, it's staying on on finding good ponds, finding small shallow lakes finding bays there there are 
I mean, the ice fishing has been good on the southern bays of Malax, for instance, but other parts of Malax, there's wide open water. Um, none of those big lakes have locked in, they say, you know, where there's ice all over and then wind is is a lot less likely to shift things. Um, so, but there are, if you look, there are places to fish. It's just that there's not that abundance and people are getting cranky. Uh, I talked to uh, Andy Peterson from Ice Fishing Minnesota. It's a really popular website on Facebook. And and uh, he's, you can when you read the comments on there, you can tell people are getting itchy uh, and they want to get out. He's a little worried that, you know, that'll lead to more accidents like we had on, on Red Lake um, on Sunday night. Uh, we had an ice sheet break away and drift out 200 feet into the water and 35 people had to be rescued. So yeah, tell me more about that because that that was kind of dramatic and that's you know that underscores some of what can happen here and then I think you wrote about a, you know an airplane that tried to land a small Cessna that tried to land on the ice and and went through um, you know hopefully we don't see anything more like that but that doesn't underscore just like you know hey this is this is nature you can't you 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 can be antsy all you want but you can't fight against what's happening outside. Yeah, the Red Lake phenomena is is interesting. Is that is the mecca for early ice. Okay. Everybody in the state who's serious about catching walleyes, uh, through the ice wants to be at red Lake. And usually it's, usually it's open. The resorts have marked the ice on Thanksgiving and people just go nuts. I mean, there's thousands of people still fishing up there every day right now because the, the walleye bite is still good. Um, so it's, and it's not unusual. It, It seems to happen every year that, uh, People get trapped on an ice flow and they have to be rescued. This year's, I would say, was pretty dramatic. Usually, they don't, you know, they don't float that far. There was a lot of open water, and the, and the, it was a super windy day, and they were relying on the sheriff's department and the first responders there in Washkish to save them. I mean, they were two hundred feet out on open water, and guys were still fishing. They <laughs> were kind of pissed that the DNR was out there to save them. So. <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, those guys have such a fever. And the thing is, Mike, you know, that here we are, we're what we're at Christmas almost by what second week of January, people stopped fishing Red Lake largely. Not you know, the the, the lake is uh draws fishermen all all winter, but the that bite goes away and okay. and yeah, the frenzy stops. Where will this kind of shift then? I mean, when when can we expect? You know, if we're th- if if everybody's kind of telling you that the season is kind of three weeks behind in a lot of places, like when when do you think there will be kind of this kind of normalcy or where what you would think of as normalcy, where you can you know get out on a lot of these lakes with the heavier equipment, and you know, and conversely, like you know, if, if it's three weeks behind, there's no guarantee how long the season will last. Too, it could be an extremely short season if it's a warm spring too. Totally. Yeah, you're right. It could be really unusual. Um, so everybody's hoping for a cold snap in, in January. And here's what's interesting. And I didn't know this until I talked to Kevin up on Mille Lacs. He said that what we really need, you know, you need those sub-zero nights. You need those long cold snaps to drive the ice past eight inches. I mean, if it stays in the 20s or even teens, he says that's not the ice will just stay at eight inches. You need that super cold, frigid air to drive the ice down to 15 and 15 to 20 is when you can start taking your truck 
in your ice house out, out, out there. And that's what people, a lot of people want to do. So it might, we might never get there, um, you know, below, I think we'll probably get there up in, um, uh, on Lake of the Woods at some point because, you know, the days are so short up there and it is cold. Um, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. That's, that's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thing. It's good. It's a bummer for a lot of, you know, people who love to fish and I'm sure the resort owners are like, Hey, come on. Like, can we get a little break here? Yes, it is. The industry is enormous. Uh, I was at the ice fishing show in St. Paul, uh, what about three weeks ago. And it's, it is compelling how many people are in the business in Minnesota of selling ice fishing tackle, uh, ice houses, uh, pop-ups, you know, tip-ups, everything. It's unbelievable. There's, there were, I think there was 200 vendors, uh, and huge crowd, you know? So yeah, it, it, it could hurt. It could hurt the industry. There could be some stuff on sale, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I would suppose if it's supply and demand, well, Go read Tony's story for more on this. Tony, before I say goodbye, let's uh, let's talk about anything coming up. Like, you know, what are you guys working on in outdoors for either you know the end of this year or early 24? What are some of the big issues coming up? Well, we'll have early in January, we'll have a roundup of um, important wildlife habitat projects that not only the DNR, but the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the U.S. Forest Service are working on to improve wildlife habitat across the state. And um, then we've got, there's an interesting story brewing uh, regarding the, the walleye bag limit statewide, which is six for now. And it's, it's religious, you know, people um, in Minnesota are crazy about walleyes. It's a favorite fish here and six walleyes per day uh, as your bag limit is kind of essential, but the DNR is moving to change that to four through a rulemaking process. And we're going to see some, probably see some fireworks sometime early in the year. I would imagine you don't mess with people in the walleye, do you? That's, that'll be, that should be, even if it sounds like, well, what's the difference between four and six? I imagine that's a pretty big difference to a lot of people. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's history. You know, it's, it's, and some people, you know, they take a summer vacation. It's the only time they can fish for walleyes. And so they're gone for a week and they want those, they want that limit at six, even if they don't, uh, the science shows that um, not a lot of people catch six in a day. They don't reach the bag limit. That's why uh, it has remained that way. But um, yeah, you, you start fooling with that and it's, it hits home to a lot of people. So is it more the case that people want to catch six fish or is it more the case that people don't want to be told what to do? Yeah, good point. I mean, that's probably, it's probably both of that. Uh, okay. They definitely don't want the the regs, you know, a new reg that they kind yep. of restricts them. Sure. Down, so, yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll be looking for that. That'll definitely be a big story in early 24. Maybe by then, maybe by the time you write about that, there will be enough ice for everybody to, uh, to fish on. Um, Tony Kennedy, appreciate it. As always, you guys do a great job. Uh, we do a great job with our outdoors coverage of the Star Tribune, and we'll, we'll catch up soon down the road. Happy, uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Same to you, Michael. Thank you very much. Have to admit, I'm not the, the world's foremost ice fisherman. I tried it once, like a long time ago. Um, didn't, not that I didn't like it, but I just haven't gone back to it. But I know a lot of people do enjoy it. Learned a lot about it from Tony just now and learned a lot about kind of what's going on this season, the impact, the continued impact of our 
warmer winter right now. I mean, I, we're feeling it just in a different way with our kids. Like, they're like, when is it going to snow? We want to go sledding. Like, we've just gotten nothing so far. And looking at the forecast for the next few days, might get a little precipitation, but it looks like it's going to be rain. So, here we are. It might not be into January until we start to do some of these winter activities. Now, it's good and bad in terms of just the short term, at least. You know, being able to walk outside and not freeze is, an, <clears throat> is a nice feeling, but uh, we are definitely not doing a lot of the things in the winter time that we would normally be doing and yes now it is officially winter after yesterday's solstice let us finish with the cooler kind of an extended one today i asked on uh, social media the other day for some of your big questions going into 2024 and i found like these i felt like these two kind of distilled things into two things that i'm going to be watching big time in the coming year one noel says any news on broadcast rights no it's not news per se because nothing really has happened yet we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with the twins we're still kind of waiting to see what happens with diamond sports and their bankruptcy but i feel like we're getting closer to decisions there's a couple things earlier this week we saw the report from the wall street journal that diamond sports is negotiating with amazon prime video to maybe partner with them on some sort of multi-year streaming partnership platform where Bally Sport, what's now on Bally Sports, what's now, you know, all the teams controlled by Diamond Sports, which locally, of course, includes the Twins, the Wild, the Wolves, at least in 23. Now the Twins contract expired. We'll get to that in a minute. But teams that have typically been on Bally Sports North, could they at some point through Diamond Sports, through the, the, the parent company, could they wind up on Amazon Prime Video for the streaming portion of things at least? That would be an interesting development. Some deep pockets there, obviously, maybe a possibility. But right now, there's also this kind of <clears throat> sense of, hey, teams are going to get paid in 2024, at least in all of these leagues, the NHL, the NBA, with slightly reduced rights fees. And the, you know they're saying that they're, they're going to pay the baseball teams as well. After this season, though, it is going to be wide open. And that's what I want to talk about for 2024. We don't really know exactly where this is headed yet, but it feels like 2024 is finally going to be either the year where we get some sort of clarity on this. Are the leagues going to take these things over in mass? Is there going to be a different kind of solution? Is Diamond Sports going to cease to exist? Or are they going to come out of this reorganized with some sort of partnership, maybe with Amazon, things like that? We're getting closer to finding that. We've got to find this out about the Twins soon because they don't have a deal right now. They're not one of these teams that's like, hey, is Bally going to pay us? They don't have a deal right now. Their contract expired at the end of the season. They're trying to figure out, hey, are we going to do maybe another year of Bally Sports with you know under Diamond Sports? Are we going to go with MLB? Is there some other solution here? I think we're going to find that out very soon, but we don't know that yet. But that is one of the big looming questions in 2024. What will this all look like You know, when all these hockey and hockey and nba contracts these all end essentially in april when the regular season ends the baseball contracts probably will all be done essentially by the end of or by the end of september unless there's some sort of extension like th- these are kind of the extent of the of the known payments that we that we can that we can say we know about so 24 in all of these big sports that 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 are kind of run by diamond sports all of them we will know a lot more in the coming year and how that plays out I'm sure I'll be talking about it a lot more, but how it plays out will impact how you guys watch games and how I watch games as well. The other question comes from T-Gage. He wants to know, when was the last season that the Wolves, Twins, and Vikings all made the playoffs in the same calendar year? Can it happen in 2024? Now, it kind of depends on 
how you define the calendar year. But I think I think if we're looking at it from a practical standpoint, we're looking at kind of the year that they played. You know, I think for the for the NBA and NHL, I think of the I think of the year as the year where the playoffs started. So twenty three would be the twenty two twenty three season for the Wolves and Wilds. So. If we're talking about that right now, there's a chance it happens right now because I think the N- the NFL season we talk about has to be the year where they played most of the regular season games. So 23, you already had the Wolves make the playoffs. You already had the Twins make the playoffs in 23. You could have the Vikings make the playoffs this year. We just don't know if they're going to make it yet. 22, we wouldn't count that. Obviously, the Twins didn't make it. The Vikings did. The Wolves did, but not the Twins. Going back beyond that, I believe because the Wolves had such a drought, um, the only time they'd made it be- before uh, before a couple of years ago was uh, the 2017-18 season. Vikings didn't make the playoffs in 2018. The Twins didn't make the playoffs in 2018. You've got to go back all the way, I believe, to 2004 when the Twins made the playoffs uh, when the Wolves went to the Western Conference Finals and the and the uh, Vikings sneaked into the playoffs that year, beat the Packers in the playoffs. Those playoffs, of course, happening just right into 2005, but the season was 2004, so 20 years ago. It could still happen this year, but I think the question gets to the heart. What, what gets to the heart of this question is how good are these teams going to be in 2024? Let's put the Wild in the same category. Let's put the Lynx in this category. Who's going to be good in 2024 who can get to the playoffs who can make a playoff run um, I think we're certainly talking about the Wolves they're at the, they're at the top of the list right now and I've been you know I've been accused you know mockingly or you know <laughs> truthfully over the years of getting too optimistic about the Wolves at certain times but I think you have to look at them right now and say this is the best team in this market right now I know the Twins just won a playoff series finally but they, they don't the Wolves have a certain level of dominance that they're showing right now. Again, only a third of the way into the regular season, but they're showing a certain level right now that makes you think they can go on a deep playoff run, that they will finish the regular season with a very good record, that they will have a high winning percentage. I think certainly making the playoffs is a not even an expectation right now. That's almost a certainty um, given where they are right now. What can they do once they get there is probably the bigger question. So I'd say they're almost a playoff lock for 24. Obviously, you've got to stay healthy, things like that. The Wild are interesting. They weren't part of the original question, but the Wild are interesting. They've been rallying. They've been playing better lately under new coach John Hines. They've got to keep got to keep that going. But I think they have a chance to make the playoffs because the West is not that great. <clears throat> the Vikings in 24 will be fascinating because you're talking about a quarterback question. Will they bring Kirk Cousins back? A Justin Jefferson contract extension's got to get done. They got other people who are extension eligible. It's kind of really the crossroads year. Like, do you kind of keep, keep kind of transitioning, keep going on this competitive rebuild? Do you kind of throw all the chips in and say, you know what? <clears throat> I think we like our our roster enough right now. The defense has been remade under Brian Flores. Some of these guys starting to emerge. We think we can win right now. Let's let's sign Kirk Cousins to another two years. Not start over at quarterback yet. Or do they feel like, hey? In order to fit all these things in, in order to keep building the roster we want to build, we got to start over at quarterback at some point and get younger and cheaper at that position. That's going to be a fascinating offseason question. I think if they brought Kirk Cousins back in 24 and he was healthy, I think they would be in good shape to make the playoffs. I don't know what their ceiling is still, though, with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. So that's the question they have to ask themselves 
in 2024, but certainly a chance the Vikings could make the playoffs in 2024. Same with the Twins. You know, I'm worried about their pitching. I'm worried about the payroll going down. You know, they've already lost Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, um, and, and obviously um, and Emilio Pagan, too. Like, a lot of their starting rotation, a lot of what they depended upon last year in their rotation is just not going to be there right now. So what does that mean for next year? you got Pablo Lopez still at the top of the rotation, but you're going to have to do some more work this offseason. They, you know, they're going to be not as deep next year, I don't think. So how does that play out in the American League Central? They're projected to win, I think, like 85 games right now, which, again, would be probably fine in the division. But where does that get you long term? Where does that put you in, you know, in the big picture of baseball when you're trying to compete against the Dodgers eventually who've, who've signed everybody this offseason to, you know, spending billions of dollars on players. How does that stack up against a team like that when you are still a team kind of in the middle market trying to get by with some of these, you know, <clears throat> fringe moves as opposed to these big, big splashy moves? But I could see, getting back to the original question, I could see all three of those teams being playoff teams in 2024. I could see it happening this year if the Vikings make it. They're a coin flip. The other two have already made it, so it could happen this year. But yeah, beyond that, it has been since 2004. Um, I can certainly see the Lynx making it next year. I can see the Loons making it next year as well. We were really close this year to uh, to having all the teams make the playoffs. We we actually, you know, for calendar year, we were very close to having it happen. It could happen in 2024. We'll have to see. But that is what we were looking forward to next year. Just how how good are these teams? Who is the most dominant? I would say if it's it's weird to think, but I would say if you're going to put your energy into any one pro team right now it's got to be the Timberwolves and maybe after that it's the Twins because you know because they just showed that they at least can make can can get past that initial round of the playoffs and get to the next level but that's what we're watching for in 2024 again like I said no 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 daily shows next week we'll have a, a best of top 10 moments with Jeff Day and me going kind of back and forth it's a long one so stick around for that next week have a great holiday. Have a great new year. I'll be back at it Tuesday, January 2nd with Roycey. Can't wait to see what happens between now and then. Stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you then.